Oh, Father God, you have made us so that our whole lives would sing to Jesus. And oh God, what a privilege it is to sing about the wonder and the glory and the love of your only begotten Son, our Savior. But oh God, do we need you every hour because we so quickly forget. We forget who you are and how you love us. We forget how desperately we need you. We try to live our lives in a manner that's pleasing to ourselves and we try to find life in all the wrong places. So God, because you love us and because Christ Jesus has come to rescue us, would you show us the beauty the majesty and the glory of Jesus today through the, so through the preaching of your word so that we truly can have lives that, that sing, that even through tears sing. They sing to Jesus. God, would you give us ears to hear from Jesus this morning? God, would you, would you lovingly give us hearts and if it, if it needs be, break our hearts so that they could be filled with the love and the reality and the presence of Jesus. God, would you cause us to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus. All for your glory. God, the things that I say that are wrong or they're merely my opinion, God, would those things fall away and be forgotten? But God, would you do what you promised to do? Would you use the foolishness of the preaching of the word and would you use that to make us more like Jesus? We pray this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. All right, what is the most important gadget in your home? What is that one gadget? If you don't have it, your life is kind of turned upside down. You're rifling through the cushions and trying to find what is that most important gadget in your home? Is it not the television remote control? How many of you all remember a day before TV remote controls? Uh, those of you who are 40 and older, please raise your hand. Thank you for identifying yourselves. I, what did we do before then? I, I started to think maybe our parents had children, so we'd be the remote control. I mean, anybody else? Hey, go change the channel, you know? Get up, go change the channel, and there we go. You go and, and thank the good Lord, we only had three channels back then, didn't we? It wasn't hard to see what was on. Click, click, and Click. But now today's day and age, I mean, oh my goodness. I mean, the, uh, the way we can surf the channels and see all the things that aren't good to be on TV. Uh, isn't it amazing uh, how we can actually control things? You can actually watch two things at once now. Picture in picture. So you won't miss an absolute thing that you can surf. And uh, isn't it true? The one he or she who has the remote control has the control. It's so, so true in all of our lives. So let me ask you a question. If your life were able to be controlled by a remote control like this, if your life were able to be controlled by this, would you change the channel of your life? If right now, the different circumstances that are going on in your life, uh, the stage of life you're in, uh, where you are, uh, if you had the ability, if, if your life were controlled by a gadget like this, would you change the channel. 
It's interesting because God tells us in his word, I mean, he's very clear in his word that God's a God who has the remote control over our lives. I mean, scripture tells us that this God is sovereign, which is a big churchy word that basically means this God is in control of all things. He's got each one of our remote controls of all of our lives, of all of this incredible world. And it's sometimes hard when someone else has the control, you know? Sometimes you say, well, why are you stopping on this part of my life? Why, why don't we just fast forward this? this? This is boring. Did you ever hear that, by the way? I've been sometimes accused of passing by all the things that look good and stopping on all the things that are boring. Anybody else here? Well, maybe sometimes even with God, if he's got the remote control. Do we yell and say, God, what are you doing? Well, the channel that God wants us to tune our lives into, uh, the, the one channel is, is basically the Jesus channel. I mean, it's the channel, the Jesus channel, because he is God's only son and he is the one who's the way. He is the one who's the truth. He is the one who's the life. And, and the world filled with so many channels, God's will for us is, is to be tuned into the Jesus channel. And as I, as I thought of that analogy, I got a little nervous because I don't want you to equate Jesus channel with some of the TV channels that have Jesus with them, you know? I mean, I don't, it's not a call for us to be televangelists. I mean, the, the, one, the one channel that God wants us to tune into is a channel that connects us with him. And the only way we're connected to him is through what his son has done for us. You see, here's the reality. God amazingly wants the whole world tuned in to watch one channel. God wants this whole world. He, he created this whole world so that this whole world would be filled with his glory, filled with his knowledge, filled with his love. And so that, that's been always a purpose from day one that he created everything. It was so that everything in heaven and earth would be tuned in into one channel, and that's God's love. And that's why Christ Jesus has come, so that we can receive that tuning in to God. So we can tune in the world to that channel. Now, an amazing mystery of God. I don't know why he would choose this, but he did. He says, not only do I want the world to be tuned into this one channel, but I want to tune the whole world into the one channel in me through Christ. And I want to use you. I, I want your life. I want your life so tuned into me as that as you are walking through this life and, and living this life, and as you are walking and talking with me, that, that you are bringing my presence, you're bringing my love, you're you're bringing my hope everywhere you go. And the way I'm going to fill this whole earth with with my glory is that you bear fruit of my relationship with you. You bear fruit that I'm tuned into you, and you tuned into me. And you, that fruit is that, is that presence of God. It's just things like love, joy, peace, and we even get to patience. It's God's patience. So listen, if you were here today and you said, yeah, you know what? Uh, my life right now, if it were controlled by remote control, I'd tune the channel. I don't like what I'm seeing. I don't like what I'm experiencing. I don't like what God's given me. I'd turn it. If you're here this morning and you say, yeah, I'd turn the channel, we all can relate. But the reality is, is we don't understand the patience of God, the control of God and what God is calling us 
too. We don't understand this fruit of patience that God is asking us to display to the whole world that comes from him. This word patience, an interesting word. Um, it's actually, it's just two Greek words uh, that are used that we would translate patience. They kind of have a little bit different nuance. Uh, the first one really has, uh, talks about patience. It's kind of like the, the capacity to hold on in a really difficult situation. Uh, it's, it's basically this, when, when life is hard and life is upside down and when circumstances, think more of this word patience, it's more circumstantial. Uh, when things are hard, hang in there, be patient endure. God certainly calls us to that. He calls us to do that. But this other word, patience, the word that we see in the fruit of the Spirit, this patience of God, the patience we're supposed to have with God and to one another, this is a little bit different. This is the, uh, the state of being that's able to bear with one another. Basically, it's this. This is a gift that God gives us, a part of the fruit of the Spirit called patience, that lets us tolerate ourselves. Be patient with ourselves. Be patient with one another. Amazingly, we're going to see even be patient with God. This word, this word here that we see in the fruit of the Spirit, it's a compound word. It's made up of two different words, the word long and the word temper. And so this patience that God has called us to uh, is really, it's, it's, it's to be long-tempered. Uh, the absolute opposite of being short-tempered. And again, what we realize with all the fruit of the Spirit is really that God is never asking us to generate something individually of our own. God is always calling us into a relationship with Him that is so mystically defined that we become one with Him, that His qualities, His traits flow through us. And the beautiful thing about God that we all need to hear is, you ready? Our God has a long temper. Our God is long-suffering. Our God is patient. And the most exciting news is, is he's patient with knuckleheads like us. He is patient with us. And as he is patient with us, we are to be patient with one another. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, you'll see as we unpack this, this fruit of the spirit of patience that God is calling us to. It should give us patience. Uh, we should understand the patience of God. We'll look at that first. Secondly, the patience we need to have with God. That may sound a little funny. But I think we got to realize God is calling us to have this fruit of the Spirit so we can be patient with Him. Don't change the channel. And the patience we need to have with one another, uh, they usually that one comes to the surface pretty quickly. And lastly, the patience we need to have with ourselves. The first is this, is the, pa- the patience of God. It's often said this. As a matter of fact, it was said to me this just this last week with a person struggling with what really, who is this God and who is Jesus? And the question is often asked, if, if God is in control, if God is in control of all things, and, and if God is good, then how come God isn't changing the channel of the world? Okay? I mean, basically, if God is in control and God is good, how come he's just letting it stay on this channel? Why isn't he changing the channel of the world? Well, I don't usually use that analogy. I tied it into what I'm saying, but there's basically saying this. How come there's suffering? How come there's kids that are abused? Uh, How come there's families that are shattered? How come there's such turmoil? If God is good and God is in control, why? Does he have the remote or not? We realize at the core of this reality, of the core of why is the reality that God, listen, is that God is patient. 
That God is patient. He's, he's long-tempered. He's long-suffering. That is why he's not so quickly changing the channel. That's why. We read through 2 Peter 3, 8 through 13. We're going to go over that a little bit uh, here in just a few moments. But also, let me remind you that even when the Bible describes God, way back in, in the uh, Old Testament, way back in like books of Exodus, Exodus 34, verse 6, it says this about God. It says he's long-tempered. That God's patient. You know what? God's holy. And his holiness burns against sin. And God, God is in control. And God's got every reason right now to just wipe the slate clean. But amazingly, this God of ours, this, this good, gracious, merciful God, he's just long-suffering with us. He's, he's patient with us. But it's patience with a, a reason. Look at, again, 2 Peter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. He says this, with the Lord, on uh, verse 8, with the Lord, uh, one day is like uh, a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. What are we going to immediately find out about that reality of God is this, is that God's timetable is not our timetable. As much as we would love to have him be in sync with us, as much as we'd love to have his remote control in sync with our remote control, the reality of this God is, is he's God, he's in control, and his timetable is not our timetable. He doesn't wear a watch. I mean, amazingly, this God is actually outside of time. He's, he's above time. So we live our lives in the midst of time and all the turmoil, and we have to realize that uh, God is just patient, unlike that we understand with grinding through this day, day in and day out. Verse 9 says this, is that God is not slow to keep his promises. He's not slow. Why, why are things happening? It's unbelievable. It's the flip side of what people think. People think, well, God's either not in control, he's not good. No, 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 no. God is not slow in keeping his promises because God is patient with us. God is patient with us. Well, what does that mean? We got to realize that God is so patient that uh, he would send his son to come ultimately change the channel. Uh, that when evil of this world was reigning, that Jesus came to rescue the lost and he succeeded, that Jesus did change the channel, that now sinners like us can walk with God and have a relationship with God, and that we can have all the blessings of God, we can experience some of them now. Do you know that right now that Jesus is offering us a life that's abundant? Right now, Jesus is offering us peace with a God who is and who's holy. Right now, Jesus is offering us his joy, the joy of the Lord to be our strength. Right now, Jesus is offering us his love. It's amazing. And all the promises of the Bible, it says, find their yes in Jesus. But all the promises of God aren't here yet. We can't see him face to face. There's more to come. We're to be a people in waiting. We're to be a people anticipating. We're to be a people that trust in God's promises are real and there's more stuff to come. But we know that God is he's patient with a purpose. There's a purpose behind this. It says this, so that, we, that none shall perish. That God is patient so that none shall perish, but all shall come to life. It's interesting. A question a lot of times you receive as a minister is, when's Jesus coming back? I want you to know, no one knows. Scripture says we don't know. I tell you what, it could be any time. I don't think that there's any world event that needs to take place. I don't think that there's any uh, religious event that needs to take place. I think that all that Jesus has done is complete and full. And I think at any moment, the trumpet will sound and we're going to be with him and I can't wait. But here's what I think when he says, when he says, listen, 
I'm patient that none shall perish. Jesus came and he said something amazing. He says, I've come for my family. I've come for my lost sheep. And you know what? I didn't lose one, not one. I rescued them all. All of my family, anyone who the Father has given to me, I have come and I've rescued life for them. And what does this patience mean? Jesus is not going to come back until the last sheep of his is home. He's not going to come home and he's not going to come back until, and listen, your great, 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 great granddaughter might be one of those people that, that God before time began set this amazing electing love on, this love that separated us from the world. Go figure, I don't know why he did it. But you know what? He doesn't lose one. What does it mean that God is patient? It means this. He's, he's going to let this world unfold. He's still in control. But he's going to make sure that last sheep comes home. And Oh, I can't wait for that last sheep to come home. Because when he does, he's coming back. You see, the Puritans realized this. They said, they looked at this passage. They said, we got to speed the day of the Lord. We got to speed the day of the Lord the way we live our holy lives. We got to evangelize the world. We got the world to know why? So that when that last sheep comes home, he could come with us. So listen, he's patient with a purpose so we don't uh, perish. That's why he's not changing the channel. But there is a day coming when there'll be no more tears, no more sorrow. That That channel's coming. But not now, he's patient. But there's more than that. He says he's patient with us so that we should reach repentance. Kind of an interesting thing. He says, I'm going to be patient with you so that you will reach repentance. I spent my Saturday in a gym all day yesterday watching JV girls volleyball tournament. Great, great time. I mean, it's a rainy day. What else are you going to do, right? And I was, I was watching this one coach, not our coach, um, who decided that the good tactic uh, to coach girls that are 14 to 16 is to scream at them and yell at them. You know, just yell at them. I mean, that's a good technique. They always play better under duress like being yelled at, right? I mean, that's good coaching. And they're 14 to 16. They're playing JV volleyball. It's a reason to have a heart failure and scream. You can tell I got issues with that. So he calls timeout. He calls timeout and he, he sets the girls down. They're sitting on the bench. And here's, here, here's what he says. You got to get better. You got to get better. You just got to do better. I mean, I think, what kind of coaching is that? Do better. Do you know that God doesn't call time out when he sees you mess up over and over and over again and sit down, sit you down and say, you got to do better. You got to do better with your life. You got you to do better. Isn't it great news that that's not what our patient, loving God does? I mean, he loves us so much in life that he wants us to understand who he is and his goodness should lead us to repentance. His patience should lead us to repentance. This patience should be the reality is, God, I've messed up and I've messed up again and I'm not getting much better and I keep on messing up over and over and over and over again. He calls time out and he doesn't say, get better. He says, repent and embrace Jesus. Don't forget my only begotten son. He came and he did what you didn't do. He came and he, he fulfilled the law and he spilled his blood for your, uh, what you deserve as a sacrifice. He's appeased my wrath as a father. Rejoice, I am patient, I am long-suffering. Why? So you can repent and embrace Jesus and find life and life abundantly. Isn't he good? Isn't he good? Isn't it amazing that we have a God who doesn't thump us in the chest and say, do better? He says... Trust Jesus, repent and believe, embrace him. 
But it does say this too. It says uh, when, when God's word is unfolding for us, he says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. So we must be ready. He, he says, as a matter of fact, we're waiting on it. So it's, we got this interesting paradox that we are to be people because God is a patient God that all the sheep will come home. Because God is a patient God, he wants to lead all of us to repentance. But at the same time, we know that there's a moment coming where he'll come like this. And it says that the only thing that will last, everything else is going to get burned up. And the only thing that will be left over, the only thing that will be found, the only thing that will be exposed, right, for this, is the things that we do tuned into the Jesus channel. Everything else, all of our whole life that we spend on the wrong channels, drinking the wrong stuff, believing the wrong stuff, spending time on the wrong stuff, it's going to just go away. And the only thing that's going to last is the things that we do in and through him and for him. He's going to come. Are you ready? Be ready and waiting for this patient God. So how should we live? He said, now live holy and godly life. It's kind of interesting. Live a holy and godly life as you wait for the coming of the Lord. And there's an amazing passage there that really like stumps theologians. It says this, as now you're supposed to live your life. Listen, God is patient. He's going to bring everybody home. He wants to lead everybody who's going to come to saving faith to repentance. But the day's coming. It's going to come really, really quickly. But here's how you're supposed to live. Be like Jesus. Be imitators of him. Reflect who he is. Let the world be tuned in to him through you. Live a holy life. He's holy. Live a godly life. He's godly. And you'll speed the day of the Lord. I mean, somehow, the way we live our lives, loving and believing in him, puts the foot on the accelerator of that day to come. The Puritans believed it. They said, we gotta be pure. We gotta be holy. We gotta evangelize. We've got to be tuned into Jesus because he's coming back. They long for the channel to change. They were weary of the tears. They were weary of the burden and the sorrows. They couldn't wait to see Jesus face to face. But the reality is, they said, now let's live godly lives and speed that day. Second thing is, is our patience with God. God has you tuned into the channel of your life for a reason. If God is truly sovereign, he has you tuned in right where you are for a reason. Listen, he is the creator. He is the producer. He is the director of our lives, is he not? Do we believe it? Are we patient with God? Are we patient with his promises? He, he tells us of guys like uh, uh, Abraham in the Old Testament that God promised a child to. And, you know, he couldn't wait. Couldn't be patient, couldn't wait. So he just said, let's, let's do this another way. How is it with you? Are you patient with God? Let me ask some specifics of that. Are you patient with your calling, with who you are? I mean, do you know of all the things God created, he only created one of you? And he wants you to be you. He, he, he's gifted you the gifts you have. Listen, and he hasn't gifted you the gifts you don't have for a reason why he's in control. And so what does it do for, for him every time we look at him and say, I wish I was like them. I wish I had this more if I was more like that. Gosh, I don't like this calling in my life. I don't like who I am. I don't like my gifting. Really, we're railing against God. And God, we gotta be patient with him and trust him that he is creator. He is producer. He is director. Are you patient with the season that you're in in life right now? Are you patient with it? 
Do you trust him? I mean, I, I know some of you just saying, change the channel, change the channel. I've waited so long to have a child. Change the channel, change the channel. I've waited so long to get married. Change the channel, change the channel. I've waited so long to get out of this financial hole. Change the channel. Do we trust God right now in this season of life? I mean, I don't know why he has us where he has us sometimes, but is he God? Is he in control or not? Are we patient with him? Are we railing against him? I met with a, a gal recently who's uh, uh, wrestling with marriage and, and, and that season of life. And uh, again, some things became apparent. I said, you know, hey, are you trusting God in this season of life to not act like a married person until you are? I mean, God loves marriage and he's created sex and it's an amazing thing, but, but are you trusting him in this season of life or are you just going, nah, nah, that's kind of old, passe. So patience, trusting that God's season for us is where he wants us. Listen, are we patient with God with what he uses to transform us to become more like Jesus? Do you know the goal for each one of us? The goal for any one of us who is a child of God, who've embraced Christ, the goal is the same. The goal is that each one of us will become conformed more and more and more into the image of God's perfect son, Jesus. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for all of us. And one day, Scripture says that we will see him, and guess what? We will be like him. Isn't that amazing? What does God use to make us more like Jesus? Man, about everything. Trial, tribulation, hardship, brokenheartedness to wean us off the world, to make us dependent on him, not others. What does God use? What, what, he, do we trust the fact that in the crucible sometimes, sometimes he's going to place us there so at the end we will more clearly reflect him? It's being patient with him. God, I, I don't like this. God, this doesn't feel good. I don't get this. But at the end, I want to walk in faith and trust you, our patience with God. Our patience with one another. This is where many of us immediately go. But um, our patience with one another to forgive one another, to, to truly love one another, um, to endure one another. Uh, Peter, i got to love Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter asked Jesus some of the best questions followed by some of the stupidest questions ever in a matter of just moments. I mean, Peter would go from theological giant to just a neophyte who doesn't seem to get it in about a few seconds, but God uses him mightily. And uh, Peter was trying to figure out what to do with the irritating people in life. Does anybody know any? Don't raise your hand, okay? I mean, what do you do with those people that just uh, extra grace required and some of them are ridiculous extra grace requires? And what do I do? They're bugging me. They're really bugging me a lot. So one day Peter came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, I got a question for you. Um, really, I want to change the channel on some of my friends and some of my associates are driving me crazy. But how many times should I forgive them? I mean, if I'm around them, how many times? Should I say seven times, that, that's a good number, right? It's a good biblical number. How, how many times should I forgive them? And Jesus gives them a math equation that really had not to do with the math. It was more about the point of the Jesus was saying, always forgive them. Keep on forgiving them. And then he tells this story. He tells this parable. He says, there's a couple guys who owed money. And the first guy who owed money to a master, man, he, he owed a lifetime worth of money. I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars he owed. And he couldn't pay it back. His master came to him and, and, and the guy cried out and he said, here's what he said. He said, the word patient. He said, be patient with me. I want to pay this back. Be patient with me. And this good master, he's so good. He realized this is going to, he's not going to pay it back. I'll do something better. I'll cancel the debt. 
Listen, you understand this story is really telling you about God's love, right? You understand that this story is really a story behind the story of this amazing God who knows how much we owe him as sinners, and he cancels the debt. So he cancels the debt. He, he, he wipes the slate clean. He says, oh, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to pay it. Forget it. It's over. And what does this guy do? This guy goes out and he finds somebody who owes him a heck of a lot less than that he owed his master. I mean, he, he really can't even compare them. It's kind of a joke how little this one owes him compared to how much he owes. And he says, hey, pay me back. Pay me back right now. I'm going to throw your wife in prison. I'm going to take your kids in prison. I'm going to smear your name. And the guy said, be patient with me. Same word, be patient. I want to pay you back. He said, no, I'm not going to be patient with you. I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to separate your family. Pay me back. Jesus is like, are you kidding me? If, if you've been forgiven so much, shouldn't you forgive? And here's the whole point. I mean, here's the whole point. There is a direct relationship with how patient we are going to be with one another, with our understanding of how God's patience is with us. There will be a direct relationship with the way we treat one another and the understanding of how God has treated knuckleheads, extra grace required, like us. And he says, I- I've put up with you, lovingly. Put up with others. In Colossians 3, Colossians 3, verses 12 through 15, he says, listen, as God dearly chosen ones, put on, put on these things. And he says, put on patience. Because that's going through the fruit of the Spirit. I mean, look through Colossians 3, if you want to write it down, through 15. You're amazing, see all the fruit of the Spirit there. But he gets this sense, he goes, listen, put on patience. And bear with one another. Forgive one another. It's, I've forgiven you. You know that put on means? Put up with. Put up with them. The slow driver in the left-hand lane with the blinker on in I-4. Put up with them. Your neighbor who's thoughtless. He, he's rude. He doesn't care about your stuff. He's into your stuff. Put up with them. That, that, that family member that just doesn't get it, and they never will, maybe. Put up with them. In love. Now, that, that worker that over and over and over again is just irritating. Heaven forbid that church member. Put up with them. Love them. Why? They're so irritating. Because as you do, you're tuned into me. And as you do, the world will see Jesus. And, and, and they'll see the fruit of the spirit of patience work through you in that situation. So what do we do? We drink deeply of the reality of how God is long-suffering with us and patient with us, so much so that we now have the privilege of being patient with one another. Trust in God. Lastly, our patience with ourselves. You know, I think this is amazing. Is I, I think the reality is, is that we want to change the channel of our lives. I think a lot of us, we don't like the character very much. We don't like the character of who we are. We get so frustrated with ourselves. We get so down on ourselves. We just want to change the channel. And I think that we forget that we're a work in progress. Let me, let me just point out a couple of verses to you. 
Do you know that the writer of Hebrews in 10.14 says this about Jesus' sacrifice for his children? It says that he has forever made perfect, that's us, that love him, called according to his purpose. He has forever made perfect those he's making holy. There's an amazing paradox there, that in Christ we have been perfected, but we're still being made holy. We're still a work in progress. I think we forget how much God loves us, and he's calling us to remind us right now. <laughs> sorry, if that's you, I'm sorry. But we're a work in progress. You know that God doesn't want you to be anybody other than you? You know that God doesn't want you to be anybody other than you? I think that there's something hitting Orangewood here that's kind of interesting. So I talked to several of you the last couple of weeks. We talked about significance. Significance. How do we get greater significance? And I think what's at the core of that is not this noble thing of how can my life be more like Jesus. I think at the core of it is that we're bored with our lives. I think at the core of it is we don't think that it's enough for us to be maybe a faithful housewife who raises her kids to love Jesus. Am I in trouble for saying that word? I think at the core of it, it may be not enough that we live lives that are simple, that we live lives that maybe the world doesn't notice. Maybe it's not enough that we just serve in the background or uh, you know, we just give without other people noticing. Maybe it's not enough that our, that our lives don't have superstar Tim Tebow qualities, you know, that, that God's calling us to be just these superstars. But the reality is, is God's calling us just to be who he made us to be and ridiculously in love in, with Christ. That's it. That's it. That's it. Be who God made you. Be patient with yourself. I love what Spurgeon said. Spurgeon said that, is it enough if God calls you to be a doormat? Is it enough to be a doormat for Jesus? And I think in reality, when we put on our religious hats and we think about this, say, oh yeah, yeah, I'll be a doormat for Jesus. But no one wants to be a doormat for Jesus. And sometimes we want to change the channel of our lives. We're just bored. Just don't like that character. Jesus liked that character enough to die, shed his blood. Jesus liked that character enough to write it in the book of life and place you exactly where you are right now. To be connected to him, to experience his amazing patience and love over you and let you flow for him. You know what impatience is? I didn't come up with this. This is uh, one of the commentary writers. Impatience is practical atheism. Impatience is basically saying, God, we really don't believe you have the remote control. We don't think that you're in control of all things. We don't think you're good. And we want to turn the channel. The reality of this message is, give Jesus the remote control of your life. He's got it anyway. Give him the remote control of your life. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and just produce the fruit of the spirit of patience in you. Jesus shows us this amazing example that even when life got hard and he wanted to change the channel, even in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, as he's sweating blood, realizing of what cost it would cost him for us to be tuned in. And he said, God, turn the channel, turn the channel. 
I got to go to the cross. I got to become sin. Turn the channel. But your will be done. This is hard, but your will be done. And the reality is, is he stayed right on the Father's channel so that we could be tuned in to him as well and have life and life abundantly. Trust him. Trust him and you will find life and life abundantly and even patience in God. Let us pray. I would imagine, Father, (laughs) that there might have been a chuckle in heaven over the thought of Jeff Jakes preaching on patience. Father, forgive me. And I thank you for my impatience. And I thank you that you don't sit me down and thump me in the chest and scream at me to be better. But because you are so long-suffering, because you're so patient, that you want us to repent. You want us to repent of all the times we've tried to wrestle the remote control of our lives out of your hands. You want us to repent of all the channels we've tuned into that we think that we're going to find ourselves or find the life we long for. You want us to repent that we just want a piece of you, but not all of you, and we aren't bearing this fruit of the Spirit. But God, thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that your plan has always been for this world to be tuned in, tuned into your love and your grace and your mercy. And and God, I got to confess, I don't understand why you choose to use us, but you have and you do. So therefore, thank you for being patient. God, I pray for each one of us here. Like I pray for each one that just right now wants to say, turn the channel of my life. Maybe because they're weary. Maybe because they're broken. Maybe because they're just wrapped in some sin. I don't know. And God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just come and fall upon us. And just remind us of how uniquely you've made us and how much you love us. And God, that you'd, you'd fill us with this gospel love, this gospel patience, because that's what you want to use to fill this world. Oh, what a great God you are. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you didn't change the channel in Gethsemane. But you endured that cross so that we could experience your love, your joy, your peace, and your patience. Fill us with that so we could fill this world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.